There's a question here from uh, Janie about superannuation. With seven years to go before accessing super, would you keep it at balanced or high growth? So, John, when you're dealing with clients in pre-retirement and maybe that they're late 50s and they've got some investment properties, Mm. before we talk about the superannuation thing, in terms of a property asset, like what considerations do you do with a property portfolio leading into that quote-unquote retirement stopping work phase of life? Yeah, so from a property perspective – Regardless, this isn't very relevant at all for super, but you'd be looking for more of a higher cash flow situation so that um, you've got that cash to be able to use to pay for lifestyle choices in, in retirement. And that may mean selling down one or two to own the other two uh, outright and have some live off the rent, basically. If someone come to me and said, look, oh, John, I want to buy a property. I'm five years from retirement. I'd be very hesitant because of the... The, the running costs of property as such. So it's more of a higher risk play where we're wanting to get some quick capital growth in five years. So we'd be more conservative in that pr- approach and, and just keep it low risk because we're nearing that retirement. We don't want to have to get to the stage where we bugger things up and, and we're working for another 10 years. But that same person when they said, oh, I want to buy a, re- a property close to retirement, are you talking with a mortgage or outright with cash? Because I think there's two different things at play there. Okay, yeah. So the, there's two arguments there. One is if I've if I've got a mortgage or a high mortgage, let's say borrowing an 80%, I put in 20% cash, I would be saying tread with caution if you're five years out for retirement. It would need to be a high cash flow property, which sometimes might stunt the growth potential. If there's someone saying, no, I don't want a mortgage, I'm just going to use all my cash for that property and live off the rent, that's okay. But is it easier to just go and put that cash somewhere else that I don't need to worry about property manager, property maintenance, all these other things? So it depends on your appetite for for property v shares or or, uh, or super really. Yeah. And I think what I want to pick up on there is what you said around uh, maybe, and we'll use an example, someone's collected a handful of properties or three properties, for example, and there's debt on three of them. Do we sell ones that are run their course and pay off one outright? And that one that's left has a good rental yield. So a good mm. income, right? So the, the key is there when we bring it back to superannuation, that property asset even if you own it 100% outright and it's got good yield, that is a growth asset. So we haven't gone where we're we're selling down all the properties and putting them into bonds. We're keeping this growth asset that's got a good yield. If we move it back to superannuation, as you are getting into your retirement years, there may be some strategies with financial advisors, with your portfolio, that we set up some of your equity exposure that is still invested in shares, which is a growth asset like property, but it might be a more high yield portfolio. There might be banks in there that uh, have a history of uh, producing higher dividends. So you can see where I'm going there, John. But in terms of uh, Janie's question, I honestly think the best time to start to look at uh, your quote unquote pre-retirement planning, your superannuation, is probably about five years out from that date. So if the the date is I want to stop working at age 60 on the dot, well, maybe we have a bit of a discussion 
at age 55. Now, it seems like Janie's like on the ball because she's really thinking about it with seven years to go. It's probably okay to get some advice now. It's never too early to pick up a phone and just have a bit of a brief chat with an advisor to bounce your situation off. Now, back to her question again in relation to balanced or high growth. Let's assume that a high growth portfolio is 90% in shares, property, uh, international shares, alternate assets, and 10% in fixed interest, bonds, you know, all the stuff that doesn't have that daily volatility. And let's assume that a balanced portfolio is 70% growth and 30% defensive. Now, over a short period of time, say five years, John, you probably will find if the market does have a little bit of a a blip or a dip or whatnot, the 70-30 portfolio will probably fare better because much like compounding interest and positive returns, the more money that we've got in a high growth portfolio, like a 90% growth, the longer that it will take to recover. So I honestly think, um, Janie, it's probably not going to move your needle too much moving from a high growth 90 to a, a 70, but I'm certainly 100%, well, I certainly believe that once you are over, say, 50 years old or 60 years old, I think there's a strong argument, John, to still have at least 50% of your wealth invested in growth assets because that money needs to last another 20 years at least. And maybe even maybe next even generation. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We can't have this mindset of when we retire that we sell down all our shares and put into the cash option in our pension account. Sure, there'll be scenarios where we might have a stronger portion of cash, maybe three years worth of income, but we do not want to have our money sitting in defensive assets for the long term. So I think it's just an interesting one to understand how these um, growth and defensive portions of a portfolio work. How much... This is a real question to you. Mm. How much of this depends on A, the person, the client's risk profile and B, the maybe the financial planner who's advising this, their risk profile? Because that can change a lot depending on who's in your team, can't it? Yes, it can. I honestly think it goes back to the individual needing as much education as possible to really understand if I buy 100 shares in CBA Bank, that share price, and if you look at CBA over the last year or so, it's gone up $110 down to 95. Like it just sits, if it goes down to 93 or $95, I still own 100 shares. No one's actually taking the shares that I own and those 100 shares are still producing income every year. So I honestly think it goes back to seeing an advisor and being 
under more of an educational attitude than getting told what you should do. So yeah, number one, I think it does come down to personal risk profile. And a lot of personal risk profile, we fear what we don't understand. If you don't understand where your money's invested and how it works conceptually, your personality might be more fearful. Some personalities are like, oh yeah, it's all good, whatever. So I think it is that understanding. Secondly, sure, there probably is, it goes down to more of maybe a house view or a personality view of the financial advisor. And that's what I said. Like, I honestly think even retirees probably need to have, and you know, don't hold me to this. This is just, again, my personal view, at least 50% in growth assets. And like my parents are just retired and their portfolio, I believe is approximately... 50 or a little bit more, maybe up to 60% still in growth assets because they're not going to spend all their money in the next three years. It needs to go to work so I can receive that juicy inheritance. <laughs> That's right. But you know what I mean? Like it, it just needs to keep working. So it is, a, it's an educational thing. If you did move it to balanced from high growth, that's all good. But yeah, just start to really think about maybe some more strategic financial advice. And a lot of the time people think, oh, I don't need to go to an advisor to choose my super fund. No, but what if there's a, a legislation change about bringing forward super contributions or catch up contributions that you're not on top of? It's more about that strategic advice. And even to your example, John, like, yeah, we've sold some assets, we've paid down one property, we still want that one property. Can we look at the carry forward provisions and get more money into super so we can offset the tax and the capital gains in that year? So it's there's a lot of strategy involved. Yeah, and a lot of conversations with your accountant. Absolutely. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.